Hello and welcome to this particularly special In Conversation episode of Shameless. Today, we will be hearing from the people who make this podcast and community what it is today, you guys. We're going to talk about your thoughts and your feelings on all things pop culture, as well as answering some of your questions about Shameless and the media. Yes, we're going to start today, Zara, with a very simple question from Jessica, who called us from her home in Melbourne. Hi girls, love the show. It's Jess from Melbourne and I was wondering what was your favourite topic or story that you got to cover this year? Jessica, firstly, thank you so much for calling. I can't imagine, I have to say, Michelle, I said calling, but it's not really a call. If someone asked you to film a voice recording and send it to your pod, your favourite podcast, would you? Uh, I would for something like the high-low. Or- I, don't know. I, I don't know if I would. That's I think- why I have so much respect for everybody that has. <laughs> We've got a few. We're actually very sorry if we can't get to all your questions, by the way, but we did handpick some. Let's answer Jessica's first. Sorry, I already went rogue. Yeah, what was your favourite segment? I think... It has to be the Sarah's Day segment that we covered. I think we did a few episodes on her, but probably the first episode where we really dove into some of her claims about treating precancerous cells in her cervix naturally. And we obviously spoke to the Cancer Council and doctors about that. I think it was just one of the most memorable segments because I think we found a lot of like-minded women when we did that who shared our frustration with the influencer industry and some of the misinformation that was being spread without being critiqued. I think you're right. And it also spoke, it was also about something much bigger than Sarah's Day, which was influencers who aren't being held to account for any of their sort of quite rogue, unchecked claims about health and wellness. And health and wellness is a huge part of Instagram. And some of it is great, but some of it is quite dangerous. So for me, I also really sort of enjoyed putting that one out there. It wasn't easy. It was quite a hard one. And it also wasn't without its criticism too. No, it wasn't. And we were terrified. I think for the 72 hours after that episode went up, I was refreshing our Apple podcast reviews because I was so convinced that Sarah's day would send all of her army after us. Mm. And she might still, who knows? Yeah, true. But that was a hard one. I found that I really enjoyed the segment that we did on influencers and cosmetic surgery off the back of Louise Milligan's investigation into Four Corners. So she started that conversation and it was kind of the first conversation that anyone had had about the fact that if we're going to be blunt, that so many of our most high-profile influencers' faces are beginning to look the same. And how come nobody is talking about this? For me, it was probably one of the segments that we got the most feedback about, Mish. Mm. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I agree with that. And also, I think we were pretty small back then. And so it was kind of nice to see that that there was, like you said, a group of like-minded women who were coming to us with similar ideas. But it's hard to have those conversations. And we had to think really hard about how we were going to frame that. Because how do you frame a conversation about plastic surgery and feminism and Instagram and influencers without being personal? Um, How do you do it in a way that doesn't shame anyone in particular, but talk about the system as a whole? And that is not easy to do. Yeah, I think a lot of what we talk about might be tricky to stomach, even for us. I think I struggle to deal with my own emotions, my own feelings about things because they don't always make sense. Mm. But I think what we've arrived at 
by this point, I think we're what 40 episodes deep now, is that it's good to have the tough conversations and it's good to point out our own flaws and our own inconsistencies in how we think and how we behave because we're all completely flawed and we're all not going to be perfect feminists all the time. But it's still good to discuss why we make the decisions we make. We do. And in saying that, I also think one of the other most popular segments that we had was the segment on narcissism. I think that, again, it's it's really interesting because we don't just cover influencers or Instagram on this podcast at all. In fact, when we started the podcast, it wasn't even the aim. It's no. just sort of grown into that a little more. But that was also probably our a segment that got the most amount of feedback. And I don't think it's a coincidence that those three segments, which, like I said, did probably generate the most discussion, are about Instagram and influencers because maybe that's what nobody else is really talking about. Yeah. Speaking of Narcissists Anonymous, it was an episode that we, well, we published that probably a few weeks ago mm. now, about a month ago. This is what listener Adele had to say about narcissism on Instagram. I absolutely love this podcast. I think it is because you guys are from Melbourne and you're exactly the same age as me. So I do resonate with a lot of the things that you say because we do come from very similar lives. But I have to say my favorite podcast this year was Narcissist Anonymous. It just opened my eyes completely to the narcissism that just oozes on social media, particularly Instagram. You know, if it wasn't for that podcast, I think I'd just keep looking at it and feeling absolutely ashamed of my body because I'm just not that kind of person. And I used to think that there was something wrong with me because I wasn't posing on the beach like like Pamela Anderson and, you know, showing myself off. And it made me feel that I was just some weird, dorky 24-year-old when really these people are just, it's something else and it is bordering narcissism. I have to say this podcast has opened my mind in ways that I wouldn't imagine beyond just celebrity gossip and I love it so much. Keep up the great work, girls. Love it. We also heard from the lovely Leah who listens to the podcast while wrangling her little humans and she had lots of thoughts about narcissists as well. Hello ladies, it's Leah McClelland here from Melbourne. I definitely have loved how you've started some interviews with some celebs. Um, how great was Emma Hawkins? Uh, but also um, I really liked the discussion that you had about narcissism and its sort of relation to social media. I think we all fear that we may be instant narcissists, but does that mean that we aren't if we're worried about it or... Don't know. Anyway, it was a great chat. Uh, thank you so much, and I can't wait for everything that's happening next year. As you can probably tell, that my brain really needs <laughs> the insights that you've got at the moment. And then we heard from Eliza in Sydney, who wants to know what it's like talking critically about influencers and celebrities who sometimes we know listen to the podcast. Hi, guys. Um, my name is Eliza Shelley from Sydney and Melbourne, I guess, too. Um, long-time listener, first-time question submitter. I was just curious, um, obviously the podcast examines the celebrity landscape and in Australia that kind of trickles down to the influencer and micro-influencer economy. I was just wondering as the podcast becomes bigger and the people who sit in that landscape start listening to you, whether that changes the way that you record because you know that they're going to be listening. Um, as a journalist myself, I feel like it might make me a little bit nervous 
that's not a criticism at all. I think what you guys are doing is really well-balanced and well-researched and really incredible. Um, I'm just curious whether when you're thinking about what you're going to be putting forward for the episode, whether you keep in mind that, oh, shit, we might actually have one of the people that we're going to be talking about listening. Um, Yeah, so hopefully that makes sense. Love your work. Thanks, guys. Michelle, this is one of my favourite questions that we got because Mm. it is something that we deal with almost every single day. (laughs) Uh, This has been the biggest challenge of Shameless in 2018. When we began this podcast, we did not see it getting tens of thousands of listeners to every episode. That was never our aim. We just kind of wanted to try out a new thing and see how we went. And of course, we've pushed it as much as we possibly can and tried to grow it as much as we can. However, having famous people listen to the podcast is a reality that we have had to grapple with and it's been a struggle. I'll be honest about that. It's been really hard. I I don't think there's any merit in us lying about this. We just probably have to be totally honest about how we tackle this. I, I've been thinking about it and talking to you about it probably more this week than, than any other week before we even got this question. I think I have been rattled this week about this kind of subject in particular more than I ever have, because I think this podcast is important. I don't think we would give up so much of our free time to do it if we didn't think it was important, but I really don't want it to come at the expense of anyone else feeling like they're unfairly singularly targeted. And that's a massive struggle when you're talking about big issues, but sometimes you need to use a person as an example. I I also don't want this to be, to be seen as a gotcha medium. And that's even harder when you do have people that you might be talking about listening. Sometimes we do have to talk about people who will listen. In fact, it has happened. It's happened multiple times. It's not fun. If we're to be totally honest, it does not change anything because it can't. Mm. If we started to pander or cater our content to well-known people who might be listening, it might keep them on side, but it would lose all of you. And we have to play a long game. We can't play a short game. Mm. And I think that can sound overly earnest or people might be sitting there thinking, well, you kind of have to say that. But for us, pragmatically, it's bad business for us. If you guys start thinking that we're trying to suck up to people or be sycophantic about certain personalities. We actually can't do that. And that's very hard because you sort of want everybody to like you. You do. It's so tricky, especially when you then get DMs or you get confronted by people who are prominent and have massive followings. Because obviously it's scary and often we do look up to the women that we critique or that we analyse in the podcast. It's just a very awkward and uncomfortable situation. It reminds me, there was a very famous person that we discussed in a podcast. It would have been a couple of months ago now and she reached out to us via Instagram just to basically say she had listened and she really appreciated the podcast and she thought that the episode on her was really well researched which I appreciated and she finished it by saying oh I really admire that you guys say whatever you feel and you don't give a fuck and I think I've really learned why she said that in the months since since we've grown so much in that it is scary now to share our opinions because we do have so much feedback, positive and negative, far more positive, which is great. But I think the human mind and brain is geared towards always focusing on the negative mm. and it can be very tricky when you then are flooded with comments that you don't like or that attack you 
Uh, yeah. And at the same time, like these influences that we're talking about, they might be famous, but they're also people and we all fuck up and we all make mistakes. So what we try to do is when we do point to someone's mistake is actually play the mistake, not the woman. And I think that's really important. And that has been our philosophy from the very start. When you say that comment about you guys don't give a fuck about what people think, a couple of people have said that to me in the last few months. And I've been very dumbfounded because I think, oh no, I care desperately what people think. I I care how our opinions come about. I don't want to be seen as someone who just sticks it to the man for the sake of sticking it to the man. I, I want this to be picking apart things that are helpful to women. I also think on the flip side of all of this, it can be a massively positive thing to have people that you're talking about listening to your show because it keeps you accountable. It makes sure that we aren't being personal, which we never want to be. It makes sure that we aren't playing the woman, but we're playing the system. And also, to be honest, it makes us read and read and read and read before we formulate any kind of opinion. For more than anything, I think it just helps us sort of sharpen our swords a bit because we can't not, but I would be lying if I said it was fun. I mean, we promise to always say what we think and we want to be as candid as we possibly can. But at the same time, we're going to do as much research as we can to make sure that we're fair and balanced and give voice to both sides in any argument that we cover. Well, there's that. And then there's also the idea, I mean, this is so multi-layered and I think anyone can sort of see how conflicted we are even still about this. And I don't think we'll ever come to a place where we feel comfortable with it. But I also don't want this to become a place where we're always being very careful with what we say all the time, because I don't think that's helpful for anyone either. I mean, I don't think that's why people would listen to this for us being really carefully choosing our words because that's not that fun. Sometimes you want to hear people with candor. So we're trying to balance all of these things at the same time. And I have to say it sucks up a lot of emotional energy. Mm. And sometimes offending one person might be the cost of benefiting thousands who might want to be educated on something like narcissism. It's true. And I still feel really uncomfortable with that, which is hard. I really, really do. (laughs) We're like squirming in our seats over here. Do you want to move on to the next one? Yeah, I think we need to. This ties in really nicely, actually. We loved this voicemail from Jen, who enjoys the podcast because we don't always agree. Hey guys, uh, my name's Jenna from Perth. So I think I like your podcast because I hear my thoughts and what I think about like reflected in your conversation. Um, obviously I'm interested in pop culture and like the psychology of Instagram as well. I find really interesting. Um, but I think one of the main reasons why I like your podcast is because I don't always agree with what you guys say. And I feel like that is really thought provoking for myself to have like an interesting way of thinking at things or an interesting way of finding out why I don't agree with certain things. Um, and just all around, it's a bit of fun. We definitely don't always agree. We're not even making that up usually because Michelle will always or often message me something saying, let's talk about this because I know you don't think the same way that I do, yeah. which is helpful for sure. Yeah, exactly. And I think our listeners are not agreeing with us like you don't always, Jen, is fabulous. We don't want women to always agree with us. I think creating an echo chamber is exactly how we've gotten ourselves in some of the worst situations politically as well in the world. So we always want to have people come to us who don't necessarily agree or even challenge Zara and I on what we've said. Oh, and people do. People do all the time. (laughs) I don't know why we're saying this is a new thing. Don't have a shortage. We don't have any shortage of constructive criticism, but I don't mind that. I mean, obviously we should point out as long as it's, it's said in a respectful way, because we would hope that any way we attack something on on the podcast is with respect to but but debate is what this is absolutely about and 
And there are probably times that I've turned around and thought, yeah, we absolutely could have phrased that better for sure. Yeah. It's also what the Facebook group's about. I think that's what I love in there. I think we've got into a state now where people can talk about a trend or a topic without naming individuals at the heart of it. And they can just really deep dive on whatever it is at hand without making it personal or bitchy. Because it often isn't personal. It is the Mm. system, not the woman. It's just the woman that's playing into the system, which is the issue. It was also awesome to hear from Gemma, whose voice you guys might recognise from one of our favourite podcasts, The Glow Journal. Hey guys, Gemma from Melbourne, long-time listener, first-time caller. Couple of questions. Firstly, what is your favorite beauty blog? Secondly, I noticed that you're both in really good shape. So just wanted to see if you could recommend any of your favorite detox teas. Um, thirdly, and this is probably something that neither of you want to rehash, but one of the things that did stand out to me on the podcast this year was the way that you both handled the discussion, let's call it a discussion that stemmed from you guys attending spring racing. I was really impressed with how you both handled it. And, you know, one of the best things about this podcast and the Facebook group is that a difference of opinion is often celebrated. So my question for you both is, what would your advice be to anyone who is learning to resolve conflict? Not necessarily in media, in any workplace, in a family setting, in the context of a friendship group, um, a difference of opinion is one of the inevitable things in life. And I was just really impressed with the way that you guys handled that situation. Gemma, my, what's my favourite booty blog? <laughs> it's not the Glow Journal. I hate the Glow Journal <laughs> so much. Hey, all publicity is good publicity, though. And our favourite tea toxes. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Jamila Jamil's favourite tea tox is also my favourite tea tox. I hope people see the joke in there. Because yeah, otherwise we are ruined. I know. All right. So what is our advice on handling conflict or handling a difference of opinion in any realm of life? It's a really good question. When it came to how we attacked or approached that racist conversation, it's not something that, that happens quickly and it's not something that happens without a lot a lot of back and forth. I think there's an assumption that you need to formulate how you feel and respond to things yourself straight away when something happens. I really strongly believe that that's not the case. For example, after the races, I remember I messaged a lot of people that I knew and thought, well, what do you think? Genuinely, what do you think? Like, just because I went to the races doesn't mean that I don't want you to tell me exactly what you think and your reasons for it. And then we take our time. We read a lot. We feel like research is the best and most important weapon you have. And that extends not just to something like this, but I think to kind of social conflict or work conflict. I will really try hard now to never be reactive the minute something happens. And I think that's what we try to do every time. We feel no onus on replying straight away if we're not sure how to respond. I agree. I don't think I've ever done so much research for a segment than I did for that horse racing topic. The amount of reading that I did, especially on the RSPCA website and on their guidelines and their rules was just massive. I think what I've really learned in handling conflict or handling difference of opinion is to remove as much emotion as I can from it because it's not really emotion that's important there. And emotion just makes the conversation feel like it's being fueled on by something totally irrelevant. I try and take as much of that out as I can because I am a very emotional person and I try to Around my ideas in as much fact as I can. Which I think is the most important way. In, in truth, I was never always like this. I've 
my personality is a little more reactive. And I think yours is too. Oh, absolutely. I think we've had to teach ourselves that. My sister, if she is listening, will be piercing herself laughing, <laughs> herself laughing because she is the one that's probably taught me how to resolve conflict more than anyone. And she is very much about getting down on someone's level and trying to work out why the other person feels how they feel and why, what's going on at the crux of that. Because I think when you can understand why somebody is responding how they are, you can work out how to move through that. Um, and we have to do that a lot on this. I mean, there is some criticism that we get that's constructive and there is there are other types of criticism that, to be blunt, are people projecting themselves onto us. Yeah, for agree. sure. And you need to sort of separate the two. Agree. I think when it comes to people having a difference of opinion in terms of whether you lean left or right and it's a progressiveness thing, I think so much uh, conservative debate and ideology comes from fear. So mm. I think once you identify that and you identify that the person you're speaking to who doesn't like your progressive ideals is potentially just very fearful of how the world might look if it changes, I think that's a really important thing to identify. And once you identify that that person is fearful, you can kind of work from that point and it's more productive. We also heard from Rosie and Danny, who are both struggling at the moment with the same influencer dilemma. Hi, this is Rosie from New Zealand, and I just want to have a quick rant about influencers posting irresponsible content. And by that, I mean I'm getting sick of seeing influencers posting content like collaborations with brands that are known to be unethical and unsustainable. Um, for example, brands like Boohoo. Um, I'm not shaming people who shop there, obviously, because I do know that that's an affordable price point for a lot of girls. But I am just sick of seeing influencers posting about them unashamedly promoting them when they're known to have such an unsustainable effect on the environment. And it just really sucks to see fast fashion being, you know, blown up all over Instagram. Um, it just makes me wonder, do influencers ever research the brands that they're collaborating with? And if they do, does that mean that they know what bad press these brands have in the past and are just doing it anyway? Or do they not research the brands and are just sort of blindly going into these collaborations to take the paycheck? Hi guys, my name is Danny. I am from New Zealand and I have an Instagram account called The Mustard Jumper. Just a shameless little plug for myself there. I hope that's okay. Um, anyway, recently I found out, well, I saw that one of my favorite influencers, she has decided to work with boho.com. And boho for me is the epitome of fast fashion. And it just really frustrated me seeing someone with over 1 million followers decide to work with this brand when she could be working with other local Australian brands that are so much more sustainable and ethical. And yet, and this is just my assumption, but because of the money that she's getting paid by boho, she's chosen to go with this brand. And I just feel like with the way social media influencing is just taken off, there needs to be more of a challenge for these girls and guys to actually work with brands that stand for something good in our world and better impact on our environment. Um, yeah, it just... It sucks to see that this girl that has so many followers is choosing to influence them to buy from a brand that I feel does nothing good in our world apart from provide us with cheap, crappy clothes. I would love to know what your thoughts are and what you have to say about this. Thank you. 
I don't think we should be relying on influencers to constantly be championing every social justice mm, issue that we feel is close to us. I understand why people are so passionate about fast fashion and about the need to recycle and need to be sustainable. However, if we're pinning all of our beliefs onto influencers on the internet, I think we're going to consistently be disappointed with what they then turn out. I think if someone's accepting a huge paycheck to promote a brand, yeah, maybe it's not ideal in your mind. Maybe it can be a bit offensive or a bit disappointing. Well, they can't believe everything that you believe and to expect them to is unfair. I also think we're only in the beginnings of conversations and awareness about fast fashion. I think this is very early days if we're talking mainstream. I don't think the mainstream sort of Instagram community media even has caught up because I think you and I have barely caught up ourselves. I mean, it was only a few weeks ago that we really wanted to try and educate ourselves and learn about this. I do think it will change and I think conversations about this kind of thing are important, but I don't think many people willingly take on partnerships like this knowing that it might be bad for the environment. I actually just think it's a case of there not being enough awareness around. This stuff is cheap. It's accessible for young girls. Why wouldn't they think that that's helpful for young people? I also think, before we move on, the other thing to consider is it's all well and good for us to say, well, why don't they go with an ethical brand? But the truth of the matter is, Many ethical brands might not have the budget for as long as we're shopping and giving these big brands money, they have money to splurge on advertising. The bigger we make ethical brands, the more money they have to spend. And I think it's like this old aged, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Does the influencer promote these brands because we've made them big or are they big because we see them on the influencer? I think it's a tough one, but for me, not the cause of total outrage in my mind maybe just productive conversations, but I think the crux of it is they cannot possibly be a social warrior for every single thing we do. We can hope and ask for the best, but I don't think we can expect it. No, and I think it's totally within your right. If you feel like an influencer has let you down, if you honestly believe that, send them a message, maybe even privately DM them instead of leaving them a snarky comment I think publicly. Yeah, make it private and maybe just ask them, are they aware of these things that you're concerned about? And they'll probably give you an honest answer and maybe you can educate them as to whatever you feel is an injustice. But These yeah. things have to be infused with respect, though. I don't think we're going to get anywhere just coming off the back of the last few things that we've talked about. I do not think we're going to get anywhere if, if you want to convince an influence or something or, or whoever it might be, if you aren't coming at it from a really even-tempered point of view. Agree. And then there's Grace, who wants to know if the YouTube trend of mukbangs is an ethical dilemma. I guess what I wanted to know was your perspective. I'm not sure if I pronounce it right on mukbangs or the food, um, eating food on camera. I guess I've always found it such a bizarre thing to do when a lot of these people are promoting healthy eating and particularly when we do live in an environment and a world where people aren't getting enough food and then that excess amount of eating to me is a bit of a moral dilemma and such a strange thing where the next day they're promoting skinny me tea. So I'm just wondering your perspective and your take on such a Thing being presented to young women and um, the consumers that consume this YouTube videos. Mish, I have to be totally honest about this one. I have never heard of mukbangs in my life. You don't watch enough YouTube. We've established this throughout the year. (laughs) It's not enough. So mukbangs, a very general explanation is a YouTuber will sit down in front of the camera and they will either order or just buy a 
ton of food, as in so much food that you probably couldn't eat it by yourself. The whole novelty of it is they have a huge amount of food and they're like kind of dipping in and out of different things and snacking on it while they talk to you and do a bit of a Q&A or just talk to camera. However, the amount of food there is pretty ludicrous and I don't think I've seen many mukbangs recently where the influencer has actually finished the food in front of them. That's really interesting. And this seems like, you know, from like an alien's point of view, because I might as well be in this scenario, <laughs> a totally bizarre concept to get off the ground. It is. It's crazy. And it's very, very popular. I do think perhaps it could be jarring to watch people have all this excess in front of them and eating it when people do go hungry in the world. But to be honest, I have more of an issue with people taking their viewers on their closet tours. There's a trend of kind of taking your viewers around your shoe closet and taking them around your bag closet, these influencers who have massive mega mansions and all these designer clothes. I think those are more problematic because as we spoke about in the last segment, sustainability and fast fashion is a huge problem and these influencers have so much excess that promoting that as an ideal is problematic to me. Yeah, I can't see how it's not jarring. I mean, I'm not really going to give much of my opinion now because I don't know if my opinion is very helpful when I don't know what these things are. But if you're sitting in front of a camera eating a meal, I think that's fine. If you're eating to excess and there's food around you that's not being eaten, that just looks a little um, overly greedy to me. Yeah, and then at the same time, these are often women, as you said in your voicemail, Grace, who are then going and promoting skinny me tea or mm. tea toxes. So it's a weird parallel. What we're saying, all of YouTube makes sense <laughs> and is very consistent. <laughs> oh, all right. So Grace did have a second question. She wants to know about the implications behind the term Instagram influencers. Um, I guess I also want to look at the word and what you guys think on the use of the word influencers. I think influencers is such a dangerous term because I think until the world of Instagram. I've always used it for women that really inspire me and inspire me to be a better person. I think um, I've always thought influencers for me were like people like Rosie Batty, Emma Isaac, people that wanted to change the world for better um, rather than just brand themselves as a product. And I guess what's your perspective on that? Because I think although they are influencers on that platform, to use an influencer outside of that can be so dangerous and um, demeaning to what incredible women are doing out there, people that are looking for cures for incredible diseases. And I think they deserve the word influencer because they're influencing something so much greater than the platform itself. But I just want to close by saying I hope everyone has a wonderful, safe and incredible Christmas, that everyone has some downtime and that 2019 is the best year yet. Thank you for a wonderful podcast, Grace. Interesting question. It's not one I've really thought of before. And if I'm totally honest, I kind of think it's a semantics thing. Instagram is business and influencer in this sense is talking about their ability to directly impact sales for whoever might be buying whatever it is for whatever brand. I think if you want to sort of talk about the Rosie Baddies of the world or the Emma Isaacs of the world, don't call them influencers, call them change makers because they don't just influence things, they change things. And I think it's all about sort of, I mean, I don't know, mix up the language. What was your word? Change makers. I was going to say game changers. Ah. Similar. Both are the same. I think that's, I mean, influencers are influencing people, but they might not be changing things. Mm, Even disruptors. Someone like Rosie Batty is a disruptor to how we've seen things and the conversations that are taking place. True. Maybe the word influencer almost does them a disservice. Yeah. I, I think that's an interesting point. I haven't thought about it before now. No, I hadn't really either. Caitlin also called in to share an observation she had while scrolling through her Instagram feed. 
I don't know about you guys, but I feel like my Instagram feed has just been full of engagement announcements recently. Um, it's either that or wedding photos or someone else is having a baby. Woohoo! And while that's all great and really exciting and a huge moment in their lives, it's also really nice when something just very average pops up on my feed. Um, and for that reason, I would like to give a big recommendation to at the real Jade Tunchy, um, fantastic Instagram account, um, quality content, very relatable, very real, um, really makes me feel better about myself when I am at home alone on a Saturday night in my pajamas, uh, eating way too much chocolate. So thanks Jade, keeping it real. Um, love your work. I so agree with that. It's so interesting to see that. I think it's just wedding engagement baby season, end of the year. Surely, summer. Everybody's in a much better mood and they want to sort of, I don't know, do things before the next year. Love is in the air. All right, time for our final question. We've got Jess who simply wants to know how you and I will be heading into 2019, Zara. Hey girls, this is Jess, ex-Melbourneian turned Sydney cider. Love your podcast. It always sounds like I'm chatting with a couple of girlfriends, so keep up the good work. I have a question about New Year's resolutions. Do you have any for yourself? And do you have any that you could wish to the Australian media? Thanks. Have a good holiday. Mm, what do you think? I don't do New Year's resolutions. I do New Year's words, which is something I learned from an ex-colleague of mine. My word this year was nourish because I just wanted to take care of my body and my mind. It's funny because the word last year, 2017, was disrupt and it was the most anxiety-ridden year of my entire life. I just wanted to consistently disrupt the way I was doing things and break new ground. It sounds so wanky now. <laughs> and you just ended up on the floor in a fetal position, hating yourself. Literally. And you saw me in that position yeah. more than once. Sorry, I should, absolutely shouldn't have laughed. <laughs> I feel like enough time has passed. No, it's funny now. Um, so yeah, my word this year was nourish. And I think that was a really good word to have. I think you did well. I did really one. well. I think I'm quite, I'm very good at going to the gym and taking care of myself and seeing my psychologist. So I think it's been a good word for 2018. 2019, I don't know. I've got to have a think. What would your word of 2019 be? It's really interesting. I probably do need a lot of time to sit on it. My idea for this year, and I've never done a New Year's resolution in my life, but this year I said, I will talk less and listen more. And I remember like four months into the year, my friends asking me how that New Year's resolution was going. And then I said, well, in March, I started a podcast. <laughs> um, but I actually do like that because what I'm picking up is sort of the thing that annoys me the most about myself, which would be in social scenarios, a propensity to talk without listening first or sort of like wanting to be the center of a conversation or something. So I actually might carry that across because I think it's been really good for me to sort of be in the middle of a group conversation and just sort of like sit back and breathe and watch it happen rather than feel like I need to weigh in on everything. Maybe that's it. Maybe my word for 2019 can be breathe. Yeah. Taking a breath, thinking about it and then acting, not think, being impulsive. I think that's really good. What you impulsive. Maybe I'll get it tattooed on my body. Breathe. <laughs> and what about your news resolution for the Australian media? Um, is there something that can be anti-clickbait? Because I'm mm. actually just so over it. I know I used to contribute to it as an editor at a publication, but can we just stop all this trashy clickbait now? It's interesting. I want 
there to be depth to content. If that mm. was my New Year's resolution, I would wish desperately there was depth. Maybe that's unfair because maybe there's just no money at the moment in the in the industry and it's very hard to do. But I think you'll win people back if you give them that depth that they're clearly craving. That's why they're going to podcasts. And that's why they're going to international publications as well. So maybe that's it. Our New Year's resolution word for the Australian media is depth. You're welcome. Does it sound a bit weird? <laughs> there's something sturdy about it. I'm not sure. <laughs> hey, but I think that's all we have for this very special in conversation episode of Shameless. We cannot thank you guys enough for making this tiny little project of ours so thoroughly rewarding and enjoyable. This podcast has accidentally become more than just a podcast. It's become a thriving community. So thank you so much for supporting us. We will now be on a two-week break. We'll be back on, what is it? I'm going to look up my calendar while it's I talk. It's Monday the 14th of January, I think. We'll be back. We are back. Monday 14th of Jan. Zara will be back from her European holiday. You'll be back from soaking in the sun in Melbourne. I won't be soaking in any sun. Just enjoying the sunlight is all I meant. Okay, great. Yes, I'll be having a very, very fun time in Melbourne and we will see you then. We're so excited to be back in 2019 and to tell you guys some of the plans we've got coming up. Yeah, we've got a few. Thank you so much again for for all of your support this year, both constructive and positive. (laughs) We appreciate it more than you know. Thanks, guys. Bye. Oh, hi, it's Annabelle Lee and Louis Hansen here. We are your hosts of Everybody Has a Secret. Woo! Woo! We are here essentially just to let you know that we drop episodes every week now. Every damn Friday morning, we are in your ears. That is so exciting. What a time <laughs> to be in your ear holes. So essentially, <laughs> each episode, we unpack the real life secrets of our listeners. So this is for everyone who loves, you know, just a little bit of gossip in mm-hmm. their lives, which, let's be real, Annabelle, is all of us. It's absolutely all of us. Don't lie. You all love gossip. So if you want to listen to our show, please do head to your favourite podcast app and listen now. See you there. Bye.